My friends, welcome to the Sheep Get Sheared podcast, home of people, politics, and popular culture. I'm your host, Austin Creed. Welcome to the show. You know, I don't, I wish I didn't have to do this, to be honest with you. You know, the Republican Party is out of control. And by out of control, I mean they, they're so fractured. The political landscape in general is out of, it's just entirely out of sight, out of mind to most people because they're sick of it. They realize that most of it's a farce. They realize that big money is talking and that everybody else is not listening to it. That's what they realize. Even when you have guys like Vivek Ramaswamy who is saying things that need to be said, you don't realize that he has George Soros money that's gotten him where he is. You don't realize that because you don't want to see it. The fact of the matter is, this is just a reality. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I need, a fa- I need to back it up a little bit. We'll get to the debates last night. But before we do that, we got to back up a little bit. There's a reason why the Republican Party is so fractured. And the reason why mainly comes down to the fact that people don't understand the Democrat Party. The reason why people don't understand the Democrat Party is because the Democrat Party's history has been rewritten by the revisionist historians who are Democrats because the majority of people in education are Democrats. And the majority of the people who are Democrat, who are in education, are sympathetic to the revisionist historians who are rewriting the history and wanting to convince you that apples are not apples and oranges are not oranges. But I'm getting, again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's back up. Let's back up a little bit. Number one thing I want to say first is this. Liberal, the attack against liberalism in general is in of itself kind of a dark horse. It's kind of a, a misnomer because liberalism in of itself is not bad. In fact, liberalism stands for liberty. However, this ideology has been co-opted and subverted by communists. Now, I know as soon as I say the word communist, so many people are like, oh, Austin, what is this? McCarthy era again? We bring up communism? Oh, what is this? What is this? Is UAC back again? No. But I will mention, I'd love to show you this. There's this, you ever read Aesop Fables as a kid? Maybe you did. Well, there was a Greek poet, a fabulist, if you will, named Aesop. He used a lot of vague language, a lot of symbolic language to get across his points. It's, he basically spoke in riddles and rhymes. And we see the exact same thing happening today in the Democrat Party. We see some of it in the Republican Party as well, but more so in the Democrat Party. And the reason why we see this is because Aesopian language is very cryptic, ambiguous language that was used by authors like Aesop to avoid censorship. It was a subverted form of communication. It was one of the, you ever, you ever see this language in on whether it's on X, whether it's in person, whether it's on the cable news channels. Hold on, give me a second. The reason why you see that 
is because then they can gaslight you if you if you actually have a tuned ear and you hear what they're saying you can then be ga they can gaslight you because they did not directly say it they leave things open-ended and open to interpretation so that then if you do not come to the conclusion they want they can tell you that you, why your interpretation is mistaken, even if, if it's 100% right. That In fact, the strategy was used by the Russian Democrat Party right before they took over the government and created a little-known country called the United Soviet States of Russia. In other words, the USSR. United Soviet States of Russia. And then they were... A number of very prominent members of the Russian Communist Party, what they called before the revolution, the Democrat Socialist Party. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that before the USSR was founded and then it was just the Russian Federation that they were called themselves the Democrat Socialists. Oh, you mean like the guy Bernie Sanders, AOC, people like that? Oh, yeah, they're using the same terminology as what the Russians did right before the USSR was founded. You, but you wouldn't know that because they don't tell you this history. But let me show you one of the more lesser known. You, know, you heard Marxism, you heard Leninism, you might have heard in passing. But there's one man in particular that is not ever mentioned, which I find very curious. There were a couple prominent people in the Soviet Union. Marx you heard of, because he's kind of the, Marx and Engels you might have heard of because they wrote the Communist Manifesto. You might have heard of Stalin. You might have heard of Lenin. But you probably did not hear about a man named Lenin, named Leon Trotsky. You ever heard that man before? No, never heard the name? Well, let me show you. Leon Trotsky was more radical than both Stalin and Lenin. He believed in the idea of permanent revolution, the never-ending fight, the never-ending permanent revolution is what he believed in. I'll read you some of what he says. It says Trotsky was a Bolshevik. The Bolsheviks were the what they called themselves in Russia. That's why when I referred to the Democrats as Bolsheviks, it's because it's exactly the. So let me explain something. In Soviet Russia, before the USSR was founded, there they called themselves the Democrat Socialist Party. And it was only after they took power that they could come out of the shadows and call themselves then the Bolsheviks and then the Communists. Trotsky was a prominent member of the, of the October Revolution and then created the USSR. He formed a left opposition to, for, to fight the bureaucratic... Dege degeneration that then began within the party leadership following the death of Lenin. Lenin was in charge of the party, in case you don't know history. He says, after Hitler took power, Trotsky concluded that reform of the Stalin regime had to be abandoned. In other words, he gave up on Stalin. He was trying to craft Stalin in his own image, but then he realized he couldn't do so because they had a bigger problem looming and they feared Hitler more than they feared the internal conflict. And then we get into, yeah, he was assassinated. Yep, again, Stalin assassinated everybody. He got rid of Lenin, he got rid of Trotsky. My friends, 
you never hear Trotsky mentioned. And the reason why you don't is because a lot of the Democrats that are prominent today are Trotskyites. They believe in this idea of permanent revolution. But he's not the only one. Like I said earlier, Marx you might have heard of, Engels you might have heard of, Stalin you probably read about in sixth grade in history class, Trotsky you never heard of, but another man you probably never heard of was this man named Herbert Marcuse. Now Herbert Marcuse was a philosopher who took, who re fled to the United States during the, the reign of the Nazis in Germany. He fled Germany and he came to the United States. Now, not only did he flee to the United States, but his ideology came with him. He was a communist. Now, of course, he couldn't advertise he was a communist because the Americans saw the rise of the Soviet Russia and they were afraid of the communists. So he couldn't say he was a communist. But he came over to the United States and he founded what was called the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School had an enormous impact on philosophy as well as social and political theory in the United States and around the world. In 1960, Marcuse ascended to prominence and became known as the guru of the new left, the new left wing in America. Of course, he rejected the title. That makes sense. There's one thing that communists hate more than the opposition. It's members within their own party who reveal their secrets to outsiders. Now, another prominent communist that you may also, that's kind of come to light and thanks to the new movie, was Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was a communist. That doesn't mean he was a bad person, necessarily. He was a, He reformed himself, but... The reason he, okay, here's what I think I need to explain. People don't understand why I'm so skeptical and I hate communism so much. Communism is, in my mind, the most evil ideology on the planet, one of them. The reason I say that is because if you read the Communist Manifesto, you realize that they don't believe in God. They view God as a drug, as a collective social drug. And anyone who believes in God is a backwards barbarian moron. You ever wonder why people who are communists hate Jews? They love Arabs? Oh, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about these people. You ever heard of the Red Army Faction, better known as the Beider-Meinhof Gang? There was a book written about this group that was called the Children of Nazis. This was a radical left-wing group in the 1960s and 70s all the way up to almost the year 2000 who they basically committed every atrocity they, they robbed, they beat, they destroyed property they assassinated people all in the name of peace, justice, and love sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? The idea of, I, I need to commit violence, I need to attack, I need to rob, I need to do all these things in the name of peace, justice, love, equality, you name it. Sound familiar? Now, they, they also are pushing, they push another rhetoric that's becoming popular again. This idea of anti-Zionism. Oh yeah! Oh, you thought that was a new thing. No, it wasn't. In fact, it was created by the communists, again, because 
They, look, I need to, okay. You might be asking me, Austin, what the hell does this have to do with the Republican Party? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The reason why this has everything to do with the Republican Party is because the Republican Party, the entire political landscape has moved left. The leftists have gone to the far left. The Republicans, who were once right-wingers for the most part, are now centrists. And even the, quote, far-right people are now moderate right-wingers uh, by this point. So, to the people on the far left, far-right is the centrists, the centrists out there. The people who kind of believe in the, in the middle ground. And the reason why the Republican Party is fractured is because we have people who are attempting to double-dip. They want to be accepted by society while at the same time they don't want to tell you the truth of what is happening in front of your eyes. I actually really admire that Vivek is actually willing to discuss some of these things. The problem is I don't fully trust him. I don't trust any politician quite frankly because in my opinion they're paid liars to a certain point. But here's the problem my friends. The party's fractured because despite the fact that the Republicans have had every advantage in the world in the last couple years, they can't agree on anything. The house is divided against itself. The grand old party is having a bar fight while the schemers are outside the bar scheming to burn down the bar. But yet everybody inside won't stop throwing bottles at each other and yelling. This is why the party is fractured. The Republican party is fractured. And I'm not a Republican. I'm a guy on the outside. I'm a in registered independent. I am not a Republican. I just can't help but notice you look at people in the Republican party. You look at the debates last night. You have Christie attacking Trump. You have Vivek kind of trying to separate himself and appeal to the younger audience. You have Nikki Haley looking more and more irrelevant by the second, in my opinion, showing herself to be more and more of a, a military industrial complex person. Christie is only there because he hates and is jealous of Trump. Trump is not even engaging in it because he knows he doesn't need to. He knows he's so far ahead of all of it, it doesn't even matter to him. Because in the Republican Party, there's for Trump and against Trump. Do you see that happening in the Democrat Party for Joe and against Joe? No. No, I don't see that. Maybe it's there, but it's nowhere near as prominent. Because increasingly, my friends, the code words of the left wing, the communists, are seeping into the mind of every person in America. They become so mainstream. If you look, I, be, oh, I forget the exact number. I think it's 40. It's 40, it's 30, whatever. There's a, there's a list of communist goals that were entered into the, the congressional record back, I believe, in the 60s. And if you look at that list, you would be shocked to see how many of those things have come true. And it becomes so mainstream. In fact, it's so mainstream that in my class the other day, we were talking about equity as if it was no big deal, when in fact, equity was a code word, an Aesopian term used by the communists to attack the bourgeoisie. But you wouldn't know that because at the end of the day, again, they don't teach you these things. And I don't know everything, I just read. I listen. 
In fact, I'm grateful that I don't know everything. But the use of Aesopian language has become, has let the, the left become the Pied Piper of the young, leading them away from the village that's supposed to bring them up, supposed to show them the way of the human condition, have them embrace their own humanity. Now, they've eschewed tradition, they've eschewed family values, gender roles, sane society, everything, and embraced sexual um, degeneracy, uh, gender dysphoria, you name it, they've embraced everything, radical, radicalism of all stripes, and yet you don't hear anybody saying, hold on a minute, how did this happen? Why does this happen? What's going on? It's because they used a Sapian language in hidden plain sight. They took over the preschools, elementary, middle school, high school, universities. Mar You're going back to Herbert Marcuse. He said that the best way to infiltrate, you had, there was no need for a violent revolution. He believed in the silent infiltration of the bureaucracy, in other words, the deep state, education, undermining religion. You know, some people don't understand why the left loves um, radical Islam so much. The people who scream against church and state and quote Thomas Jefferson are the first people to embrace theocracy, theocracy regimes like in Iran. Why do you think that is? The answer is simple. The reason why they do it is because they see them as idiots and controllable. Let me explain something to you. <clears throat> Communists see religious people as stupid. They see them as drug addicts. It was Marx and Engels who said that, that religion was the opium of the masses. Opium is a painkiller. A drug. That's what they use to make heroin. The reason why they love theocracies is not because they like religion, it's because they see them as morons and useful idiots that they can then use. They see them as controllable, malleable, manipulatable. And so that's why they love them. They see them as a means to an end, as a utility to be utilized when the time comes. The, what they don't realize though is there's they secretly hate them, but they love the fact that they think that they're so dumb that they will be controllable when the time comes. My friends, I realize that a lot of you might be Republicans listening to the show, and I, I understand that. The problem is the party has become so fractured that a lot of people are tuning out of it. They don't want to hear this anymore. They're, they're sick of the talk of the, the Constitution, the Founding Fathers, and thumping the Constitution where, and everything. They're sick of it. We need to... The, 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 conservative branch, the conservative branch of the Republican Party and then the Independent Party needs to start becoming a little more unique in its approach. It needs to start caring about the environment more. It needs to start appealing to a wider audience, not the boomers anymore. The boomers are on their way out. We need to focus on my generation of Gen Z, on the millennials, on the Gen Alpha that will come the next 10 years. That is what we need. That is what we require.
And we need to call out the Aesopian language that is used by the left, the code words of communism. Do you know the code words of communism? Words such as equality, equity, fairness, redistribution of wealth, racism. Oh yeah, you didn't know about that. The number one advice that Marcuse gave in, in the Frankfurt School was the creation of racism offenses. He said there was no need for class warfare if there is, if there is a diversity of skin color because then you can divide the people amongst each other without a need for class but using race. But you didn't know that. Probably because you didn't, you didn't read about it. You didn't listen to it. It's okay. You learned something today. I have a list. I wrote it down one day because I figured that sooner or later it'd be sponged from the internet. Of the 10 things, I think it was like the 10 to 12 things that the Marcusi school taught. And if you think that Biden's the first person to do this, you're wrong. Obama did it. His mentor was a registered member of the Communist Party. Bill Clinton was a member of this long, this, the modern day American long march. I get it. It's a lot to handle in one show. I get it. I understand. But well, my friends, I want you to really digest this. I'm curious, do you believe me to be correct that the Republican Party is largely fractured and it needs to be mended because the message needs to be more unified? My friends, in the meantime, if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more of it, feel free to support me and the show by going to the Patreon page that will be linked at Cheap Kid Sheared, or you can go over to my X page. I post there multiple times a day. Go head on over there at Sheep Get Sheared. My friends, God bless you. God bless your families and God bless America. We, we will survive this. The question is, how much will we have to lose to get there? Peace.